another episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Monax, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Parker Fleming. Uh, it feels kind of silly uh, at this moment in time to talk about something like basketball and uh, as inconsequential as sports, but I do think it's important to have a bit of an escape here. Uh, but at the same time, you want to look at, especially in a city like Memphis with the Grizzlies, Part of the reason that the Grizzlies are in Memphis in the first place is to be that unifying force or at least an attempt at it. Obviously, it's not always perfect, and there's certainly flaws to uh, humanity in general. Not everybody at a Grizzlies game is there because they want to be united, uh, whether it's racially, politically, socioeconomically, whatever it might be. Uh, so sports are limited in their scope in that sense, but I do think it's important to to view the events of our time through that lens because it allows for us to find things that even when we seem so separated and so distant, uh, it, it allows us to kind of find moments of peace uh, in what brings us together. I think everything that's been done in Memphis protest spots, I think it's been absolutely beautiful. And I'm just really loving to see this city unite in the midst of an awful tragedy. And it just it gives signs of hope for the future generations just seeing all this peace and i strive and pray and am an ally for unity for generations to come good way to put it so we're going to bring on our guest here in a moment and talk a little bit more about this and then about basketball as well but i do want to again parker on twitter at paca underscore flaca make sure you're giving him a follow if you're listening to this either sunday night or monday or early in the week Parker has a pretty uh, lofty matchup. He made it out of the GBB bracket in our Twitter challenge, and he, he has to go up against Chris Vernon uh, of uh, the Chris Vernon Show fame over at Grind City Media, and obviously he was at 92.9 and other places before that. So Parker has his uh, work cut out for him. Maybe give him a vote, uh, and that will be at SBN Grizzlies uh, where you could support Parker there. I'm at Joe Mullinax. You can follow me there. You can follow our blog at SBN Grizzlies. That's grizzlybearblues.com and the show itself at GBB Live. I want to bring in our guest at this time. And obviously this show, again, doesn't have the same kind of rhythm as a normal GBB Live because to be honest with you, it's not a normal GBB Live. It it wasn't hyped. There was no question of the day, that sort of thing. Uh, The question of the day is, when is this stuff going to stop happening? Over and over again, it seems that we come back to this place where we say that something has to change. And yet, for whatever reason, our society is still not able to get to that point, which is frustrating for plenty of people and especially for uh, for folks that live their lives in, in fear of whether or not they're going to be you know, shot for going for a run or, or just living their day-to-day life or they can't view a police officer safely like uh, others can, and that's part of that privilege that folks talk about. But uh, somebody who's been covering the the protests, the mostly peaceful protests there in Memphis, somebody who will soon be covering the Memphis Grizzlies as their reporter for the Daily Memphian, Mr. Drew Hill, is our guest on the podcast this episode. And Drew, first off, I want to say congratulations. I wish we could focus specifically on the Grizzlies, but of course, between the global pandemic that uh, I saw the joke that uh, COVID-19 blew a 28-3 lead to racism. Um, It's been a pretty hellacious year so far, and obviously this is just the latest installment of that. But unlike the coronavirus, this is something that for, I mean, hell, for 400 years, uh, our country, colonies, you know, the history of America 
is still very much being impacted by things that have been part of our our story uh, for better or worse, and in this case, worse for a very long time. Yeah, and thank thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure. But you're you're absolutely right. Um, when I stopped being a sports reporter uh, in March, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I got to be honest. Uh, I didn't see this coming <laughs> uh, because this, I, and, and maybe I should have, and maybe I should have, um, but I, I didn't see the pandemic and then this. And so my coverage has changed dramatically. And honestly, uh, I, for me, it's been an incredible opportunity to get to be a part of things that feel like they really matter. And I think sometimes sports do matter, but in the grand picture, um, things like this, moments like this are, are moments in history um, right now. And I think in general, there's uh, Memphis has handled this fantastically. And uh, it's really nice to see the people come together and uh, be a part of a peaceful protest and really have their voices heard. And I know the Grizzlies have voiced their support, um, or several of the players have, um, for the, the, the protesters here. And so to see all of this and to be able to be a part of all this and deliver people news is an absolute honor. Um, and it, it's been incredible to watch. And let's all just hope that, that going forward that this can finally make a difference and um, we don't have to ask this question again and, and we don't have to be in a situation like this. Where do you stand on the – I kind of alluded to it a moment ago when – to me, you know, I'm a romantic. If you've ever read my work or anybody who's kind of, you know, my favorite kind of articles are the fluff piece. You know what I mean? Where you can kind of pull at the heartstrings and get to the emotion of sports, because that's one of the reasons that I love sports is the emotion behind it. You know, whether it's a love for a teammate or a team that you're a fan of, or or whether it's the anger and, and the competition and the heat of the moment, that there's so much that goes into a narrative of sport that can connect to life. And that really speaks to me. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it. And so much of my life has been dedicated to sport, whether it's writing and doing this as, as, uh, as, a, as the site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues or in my day job as a high school football coach. I'm committed to sport more than most because I believe in that story and how it can make people better. How much do you see? You mentioned, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. has talked about it. Justin Winslow is Justice Winslow, excuse me, has talked about it. And we'll talk more about justice in basketball terms uh, here in a little bit. But I'm curious, as you're there on the ground, you're covering these protests. You mentioned you've essentially become a news reporter these last two and a half months since the sports world stopped spinning for a bit. What is your take now in a post-COVID-19, and it's not even post, we're still in the midst of it, of course. But obviously, we're almost three months into this uh, suspension of sports as they slowly start to return. Uh, you're there now in a city that obviously has a lot of racial tension, a lot of history in terms of those types of issues. Where do you see the relationship between a sports team or a a league and healing in, in something like this? Like if if FedEx Forum opened, maybe not tomorrow, but you know, say the first game back, you know, with, that fans are allowed to be back. In my experience, I go back to like uh, Katrina in the Superdome when the Saints had their first game back after that terrible disaster. And it looked like such an amazing healing moment for that city. Do you still have that, or, or if you ever did, 
Do you have that vision of sport like I do, or has been has being on the ground and kind of changing your role these last weeks or so, has that really kind of impacted and changed how you view your your job as a sports reporter when it comes to reporting on these things, you know, that are a lot more life and death than whether or not a ball goes through a hoop? Yeah, I, I do think that teams and organizations can play a role in healing. I do. I, I truly believe that. But um, I would just caution and say that I think that right now what really matters is, is justice in this situation. And I think that's what everybody's fighting for right now. Um, and it's great. It's great to have the support of everybody else. Um, but I think justice will probably be the, the most healing moment. Now, when you, when you move on from that and you move on to the next thing, like we discussed and, and figuring out a way to make sure that this doesn't happen again, I think that's when the unity that a team can provide can, is a really, really awesome thing and really fun to follow and very fun to, to cover and write about. Um, so I'm with you. I'm with you there. I, I really do. And it, it's been nice to see um, the players step up and, and speak their mind. And that doesn't just go for the Grizzlies. It goes for across the NBA and the sports world. And uh, I, I think that it can be a, a healing factor here um, in the long run. But don't want to lose sight of the uh, the most important part of this picture, and that's just. We're talking with Drew Hill at Drew Hill underscore DM. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he is the new Grizzlies reporter for the Daily Memphian. He works with folks like Jeff Calkins, Chris Harrington, uh, other people, Jonah Jordan, who, of course, is a former GBB or himself. Uh, lots of good folks over at the Daily Memphian. If you don't already subscribe to that, you definitely should. I've been a subscriber almost since the beginning, uh, and they promote, uh, they do terrific content over there, even in these times where sports are not as active. Uh, Drew and the crew over at the Daily Memphian is well worth the subscription. Transitioning from that to your current life change, you know, you were covering the Memphis Tigers basketball team recently. Now you're covering the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm curious as to your perspective on the difference between the two jobs, you know, in terms of, you know, and we talked a little bit about this before the recording began. Obviously, in Memphis, the the city really kind of focuses on the Tigers, and the Tigers are, I would argue, especially with Penny at the helm, maybe more locally popular than the Grizzlies at this stage. Even though Memphis is start or the Grizzlies are starting to regain that a little bit. Of course, now you transition to the Grizzlies. Do you make that decision based off of national coverage? Do you make that decision? based off of just preferring the professional game? What's your perspective on that? I make that decision because of personal growth. Uh, that's that's the truth. Um, you know, I, I would agree. And like you said, we talked about this. I think the Tigers have a huge brand. And I got a lot of messages from people who, you know, had hoped that, you know, that that, the, that I would stay with the Tigers and keep the Tigers as the top priority and I totally get that. And it's an awesome team to cover. I have no complaints. Uh, it's, it was been a, uh, an awesome time covering it. There's great people that cover the Tigers, just like the Grizzlies. But for me, um, I never had the personal connection to the university because um, I didn't go to school there and I didn't grow up in Memphis. And I had always dreamed of becoming a, a beat writer for a professional team. That was part of my personal goals uh, when I left college a little more than two years ago is, was to become a professional beat writer. 
And with the Grizzlies, I just feel like there's a there's an opportunity there for me to be able to use my strengths to the best of my ability. Um, because with college and the Tigers, you get access to those guys, you know, once or twice a week. And then with the NBA, road game travel and uh, home games, there's just a lot more opportunity where you're around the players. And so I think with all of that combined, it could be a really good thing for my career, and it's an opportunity for me to really grow. Um, there's more games. There's it, It's a lot of work. It's a grind. But this was a, a chance for me to step up and do something that I always wanted to do. And moving forward on a national scale, having John Morant and having Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and reporting on those guys and, and offering a chance for fans to really view them as people and as players more so than robots on the floor um, that you watch on TV every night, but you don't really know um, what they're like behind the scenes. That's, that's what I want to bring to people. And so I think that I have a great opportunity to be able to do that, um, especially with, you know, the ability to be around the team uh, a lot more often than college basketball. Yeah. And Drew, again, I want to congratulate you on the new job. Um, it's all right. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's nice to have a another guy that's in the twenty somethings. You know, I'm right. I'm right there, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. No, the twenty something, twenty uh, something group is pretty strong in Memphis. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so you mentioned that personal connection, and I know something that really enticed me as I was getting into the game coverage position here is getting to grow alongside and cover a young team is that something you see as a potential connection like we're in this locker room and a lot of these guys are like in our age demographic do you see that as an opportunity for that personal connection to the team as well as like the growth of your journalism career one thousand percent one thousand percent but i'll say about the tigers it, it, it was more my connection to the university than the players but I get. I know what you're getting at here, um, and yes, 100%. I think that that can play a role. Um, I actually, I actually think that sort of helped me uh, in my pitch to the Daily Memphian on why I should be covering the Grizzlies um, and, and accept their new beat writer position, because when things happen that you know uh, a, another generation might miss, for example, uh, when Penny Hardaway's shoes came out. Uh, the first foam tiger foam posits. I was one of the only people who who knew about that, and I think that my youth had uh, a little bit something to do with it. And so, um, to be able to relate to those guys and talk about current topics that are of the younger generation, uh, I think that that'll be a big help. A bunch of whippersnappers uh, covering the Grizzlies now. It's a shame, really. Uh, there should be more uh, wily veterans like myself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's it, it is good to see because obviously the next generation of the Grizzlies is currently uh, being built. And it's good to see folks like Parker and, of course, you, Drew, uh, getting the opportunity to do just that through this process uh, and really getting a, a different perspective on the team, which I think the city of Memphis will appreciate. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll have more with Drew Hill. I'm joined by Parker Fleming, my uh my associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. I'm Joe Mullinax. You're listening to GBB Live. We're going to talk about Justice Winslow and the return to play in the NBA coming up after the break.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Parker Fleming. Follow him on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. If you don't already do so, follow me on Twitter at Joe Molinax. You can follow our site that we write for, that I'm the site manager for, grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. And you can follow our guest this evening, Mr. Drew Hill, uh, Excited to have him on the program. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so at Drew Hill underscore DM. He's a new Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. Obviously, you're going to get back to work soon-ish on covering the Grizzlies themselves. I'm curious, and you probably have no idea yet, so I'm not going to really ask, you know, how being a beat writer in a time of a global pandemic is going to work out. Are you just going to stay here or you're going to be somebody that gets to go to Orlando and cover the team? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And like I said, you probably don't have those answers. So, and even if you did, maybe you can't tell us. So I won't ask you that, but I am curious as to your take on how all this is progressing in terms of the return to play ideas. It sounds more and more likely that it's going to be 20 or 22 teams that are brought to Orlando. They're going to give teams like New Orleans and Sacramento and others uh, and the Washington Wizards in the Eastern uh, on the East Coast and the Eastern Conference an opportunity perhaps to chase and try to catch and get a playoff berth. And also we have to remember teams that are already solidly in the playoffs, but perhaps they want to get better seating. Uh, there, there's lots of layers to this. And I think it's fair that they're trying to devise some sort of plan. But to you, Drew, how important is it that they – come up with a way to have some sort of advantage for the Memphis Grizzlies because they were up three and a half games when the season ended. They were supposed to have the hardest schedule the rest of the way. They had multiple head-to-head matchups with the teams that they're competing with. I get all that. I'm not the biased Grizzlies blogger that's going to go out there and say that Memphis should get in, period, end of story, sucks to be you otherwise. I understand the counter argument that other teams didn't get a chance to chase. But I do think, in my opinion, that there should be some sort of advantage for the Grizzlies because they earned it through the actual games that have been played so far. It's really easy to talk about strength of schedule and all that stuff. According to the experts and the data and all that stuff, the projections, the Memphis Grizzlies shouldn't even be here. Yet here we are, and the Memphis Grizzlies are the eighth seed in the Western Conference playoffs. The games that have been played, the Grizzlies have earned the chance that they have to be in the playoff picture. Do you agree that there should be some sort of advantage for them? Or are you more along the lines of thinking, uh, just go and play the games and see how it works out? Well, what I have wanted, and I've been a big proponent of the group play uh, soccer-style tournament, that's what that's what I was really hoping for. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. I mean, maybe it will, who knows. But uh, that's what I was hoping for, just because it, it really does. It, it levels the playing field. Everybody play. You can put in the number of teams that you think should be in, and then you can play the games um, without having to have any sort of dispute as to advantages or anything else. But I would agree. If you're, if you're going to do some sort of either regular season games and then a play-in tournament or something like that, if the Grizzlies finish in the eighth spot, they absolutely deserve some sort of advantage there because – Otherwise, you would just be in the playoffs, right? You would, If the playoffs started, then they deserved it. They earned it. They got to that spot. Um, I've seen a number of different things thrown out there as to whether you'd give them a bye to the finals of the play-in tournament or, or whatever. I think maybe that would be an okay idea, uh, I guess. But it still wouldn't sit well with Grizzlies fans, something tells me. Um, if you're the eighth seed, you deserve to be in. 
and uh, you shouldn't have to fight for your spot in the playoffs, even if it's a, an abbreviated season, because once everybody's played the same number of games or maybe one or two difference, um, you have a clear idea of, of who is the better team. And I, I think that if they finish in eighth, then they shouldn't have to go through any sort of play-in scenario. And if they do, they at least deserve an advantage, like you said. Yeah, I know one of those advantages that I saw, I think it was from Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports, was just the idea of honoring the leads so that Memphis does get the bye to the championship. But the team that plays them has to beat them three times. And if they lose to Memphis, it's just one. And so they're also saying the same thing with the Orlando because they want to let all teams that are within six games of a playoff spot in because historically there's never been more than five. But also, too, I think that's also to get Radley Beal out there as well. Do you think there needs to be some sort of honoring of the leads that both Memphis and Orlando had? Yeah, there should be. Uh, there should be some sort of advantage. Like I said, I, I think that the best scenario is maybe just allowing uh, allowing Memphis, if you're going to do a play-in for the West and then the play-in for the East would look a little different, but if you're going to do a play-in for the West, um, Memphis, if they're the eighth seed, at least deserves to be in the final game with the best possible chance of making it um, into the playoffs because in a normal season, if the season ended, they would be in the playoffs. So there's there's no way around that. Um, you have to find a way to give them some sort of advantage. And again, this is why I wanted a, a different style of, of tournament, uh, just because I think that way you can put everyone on the same um, playing field and it gives a, a, a much more fair outcome. And I know Taylor Jenkins actually talked about this uh, on NBA TV last week. He's like, we can't worry about whatever kind of tournament it's going to be or whatever the scenario is going to be. We just need a chance. And uh, that's the right attitude to have. But it's not the attitude that the fans are going to take if, if Memphis draws the short straw here and has some sort of equal scenario to everybody who finished behind them in the standings. And to be fair, that that's the right answer publicly. You know what I mean? That's the coach speak answer, as they say. That's what he should say. You know, all you want is a chance. And I think that he does mean that to an extent. But at the same time, he has to be to his players, to his coaching staff, especially maybe not even the players, but to his coaches, he has to be thinking of ways to physically prepare his team once he gets the opportunity to have everybody together in whatever manner that they decide to do it uh, for this training camp that's coming up. Obviously, they eventually travel to Orlando. You know, it's uncharted territory in terms of how they're going to restart this season he needs to have as good of an idea as possible as to what it's going to look like. So I think that he is probably frustrated by this because of the season that Memphis was having. But again, as we've talked about throughout this show, uh, there's a lot of things going on that are a little bit bigger than sports. So maybe you suck it up, Buttercup, and you do the very best you can uh, to play these things out. We're finishing up here with Drew Hill, new Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you do not already do so. Uh, he's a great follow, highly recommended that you check him out. It's at Drew Hill underscore DM. Uh, Drew, I'm going to be writing this week, probably for Tuesday or Wednesday for the blog, about how the Memphis Grizzlies, kind of like what I was just saying with Taylor Jenkins, you have to devise a plan as to how you're going to get your guys to peak physical performance again, heading into whatever the structure is going to look like. 
But I think that even more than how the playoffs are structured or what the play-in tournament looks like, whether they have to get through Zion and the Pelicans and Lillard and the Trailblazers, maybe they get that by, they win one game after a couple of exhibitions and they're right into a series with either the Toronto Raptors if it's seeded 1 through 16, which doesn't seem likely, but it's possible, or the Los Angeles Lakers, which is probably the most likely scenario. Uh, This team is going to look different than what they look like when they last played. I believe it was a loss to the Orlando Magic. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't healthy. Brandon Clark wasn't healthy. Justice Winslow wasn't healthy, which is going to be the main subject of my article, as well as my question to you here. Obviously, Jaron and Brandon are important, and I do think that they are going to continue to add and grow and develop uh, their skill set. And it seems like that they've been active in learning their game. You know, they've they've had video clips shown of these guys in meetings and pictures of of them still communicating with coaches. And you have no idea, really, who's taking part actively in these voluntary sessions that are being held at FedEx Forum with coaches and in socially distant situations. To me, the X factor for whatever this is going to look like is Justice Winslow, because we haven't seen him play with the Grizzlies yet. I think it's massive that they are essentially getting a second training camp in one season to integrate Winslow into this starting lineup as a secondary facilitator, as someone that can help John Morant off the ball as a scorer, as a defender on the perimeter. I, to, to me, the Grizzlies are better than an eighth seed in the Western Conference if Justice Winslow is healthy. So they're not going to be your typical team that's going to be going up against the Lakers that folks looked at before this break and said, okay, this is going to be a sweep, Lakers in four. I'm not saying that they're going to upset the Lakers because I think that'd be insane. It would not shock me, depending on how they're able to integrate Winslow and obviously adding the health of of Jaron and Brandon back. But Winslow in particular is the X factor. He's the key. I would probably say Lakers in five or six which again, the Lakers are still soundly winning the series, but it's sure as hell, in my opinion, isn't going to be a sweep because Justice Winslow gives depth to a team that desperately needs it on the perimeter. I would agree, and I think that it is, it is right. Having this training camp is definitely going to help um, get him acclimated. I guess in a setting where you're playing regular season games, if you lose, <laughs> it ends up costing you. But if you continue down the path, which looked like the Grizzlies were probably going to make the playoffs and honestly might benefit you even more to be playing in those regular season games than a training camp. But regardless, adding Justice Winslow, I think adds a, another level of versatility to this team that we already know that they have, um, especially defensively, that's going to take them up a notch to another level. Um, and I'm interested just to see how they're going to use him. Um, where they're going to play him at times and uh, and the impact that he can have defensively. Because when you've got him in the game and you've got Jaron in the game and you've got Brandon in the game, you are so athletic on the defensive end um, and so versatile on the defensive end. And so I think if you see a combination of those guys, um, you've got a really, a really good chance to just shut people down. And so he adds an entirely different element. Um, and like you said, maybe they're better than an eight seed if they would have had him the whole season or if he was just healthy when they uh, when they traded for him uh, at the deadline. So it's going to be interesting. I would argue. And again, obviously, there's exceptions out there if the Brooklyn Nets somehow uh, were to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back, which no one is really saying that's going to happen. But my, my overall point is I think Winslow could have a really big impact on these playoffs that isn't being fully discussed yet. Of course, it's because it hasn't fully been 
discussed what the hell they're actually going to do yet. But like I said, Parker, I'll get you in on this too. To me, justice is really going to be impactful because he makes life easier for somebody like Dylan Brooks. You know, Kyle Anderson is a good basketball player, and I think it was right to make him the starter while justice was out. And obviously, uh, Josh Jackson had some success and that sort of stuff. But, you know, after the trade uh, of Iguodala and then, of course, uh, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, they were a little bit undermanned and they had to go with Kyle, who's not a three point threat. Justice Winslow is a better athlete. He, in my opinion, is a better ball handler. Uh, he can shoot the three at least more willingly, which maybe makes him even better than Kyle, even if he's not always as good of a shooter as he should be. I really do think Justice Winslow can can make or break a, a Cinderella one run for these Grizzlies. They have a tremendous opportunity in front of them to take a, a bad situation, which everybody can acknowledge 2020 has sucked so far. They can take this challenging moment and they can really find a way to maximize not just this season, but next, because they can save a heck of a lot of time when the season for 2020-2021 starts, presumably around Christmas time. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I know there's always been that argument of like, oh, well, the Grizzlies have had a, a weak cupcake schedule from December to January, December to February. But nobody realizes that they were supposed to be one of those cup- cupcake teams as well. But y'all, y'all are both absolutely right about Justice Winslow. Um, I think he's a better shooter than his percentages indicate this season. I think he's played hurt the majority of the season. He's been in and out with back issues. But the two seasons before that, he shot 38%. And adding a 38% three-point shooter at the three next to John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas, that's massive. I mean, you forget Jay Crowder was and Kyle Anderson were the starting small fours, and they're both shooting sub-30%. I don't forget. Not when it comes to Jay Crowder. I don't forget, Parker. Oh, I know you don't forget. But (laughs) one thing that even entices me is, like, if they want to slowly integrate Justice Winslow this season at least and have him come off the bench before starting him next season, you're adding a 38% three-point shooting point forward next to a trio of Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, and Brandon Clark, whose net rating as a trio is plus 20.2. So just making that bench mob even stronger would be massive for Memphis and their playoff hopes. Because I agree, they can make some noise. I mean, if they get into a, like a group play scenario that Drew talked about, like what's stopping them from being, you know, maybe second in that in their like five team division right there? So, I mean, just as I'm writing over the stretch of the next couple of weeks, writing about different swing players and their swing skills. And Justice Winslow is probably the biggest swing player the Grizzlies have. And that means you have Gorgie Dang as your 10th man. I mean, and that's a that's a benefit to have a, a very good center who can space the floor as your 10th guy heading into a playoff postseason situation. Drew, we'll get you out of here on this. When you look at what's ahead of the Grizzlies, and if you think back, because it's been a debate among, you know, Pelicans fans and Kings fans and everybody on Twitter, of course, it's fun to watch the back and forth. I'm just curious, obviously, you know the schedule as well as anybody. Memphis had a pretty tough slate ahead of them, but they had been outperforming the odds all season long. They had a three and a half game lead. If the season went the way that it was supposed to go in terms of the schedule being played out, do you believe the Memphis Grizzlies would have held on to the eight seed? Yes, and give me a break with these stupid number computer numbers that everybody keeps throwing out five thirty eight or whatever the hell it is. honestly, 
just take a look at what both of these, what all of the contenders did in their last 10 games. Um, and I know that the Grizzlies, they weren't even playing their best basketball at the time. They were hurt, uh, like we, like you said. Um, even if everybody just continued on the same path that they've been for the rest of the year. Um, and, and again, Memphis didn't play well in those 10 games. So if they didn't play well against good teams, they probably would have lost more games. They still wouldn't have lost enough to miss the, the number eight seed. Um, I think when you break it all down and you and you factor in the fact that the Grizzlies, as they did several times in the season, upset several of the good teams, they were going to get some of those wins that they probably weren't projected to get regardless, just because they have the star power to accomplish something like that. Um, and when you look at a big picture and you throw the computer numbers out of it, uh, it's it's pretty clear that they had a better than not chance of holding on to that eight seed. So uh, all day, I'll, I'll take that the Grizzlies would have held on to that number eight seed. Same question to you, Parker. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to toss out all the stats and projections and all that out the window because I want to quote one of my best friends. What he always says when we throw out advanced numbers is, I have eyeballs. And from what I saw with the Memphis Grizzlies in that three-month stretch that included almost a 41-game sample size, probably over, at the Memphis Grizzlies are a good basketball team. And they would have found a way in the playoffs as they were integrating just Justice Winslow, getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back, and getting Brandon Clark back. I, I didn't know why it was even a discussion to have Memphis fall even to like 10 or 11. It's silly. I think it would have been and there's close, one more guys. thing. There's one oh, more ahead, thing Drew. I want to add here. There's one more thing I want to add. You also have to consider the fact that although they were hurt, um, and this also applies to whatever this playoff scenario might be, that this was a team that played with a chip on its shoulder from the very beginning of the season. So if they went into the last part of that season with everybody telling them that they're not a playoff team, that makes me believe even more that they would have been a playoff team. And if they go into a situation in this, you know, return to play stuff that is a perceived slight against the Grizzlies, that may not be the worst thing because this team already plays with a huge chip on its shoulder. And so if, and especially guys like John Morant, so if that is the case, I have no doubt in my mind that they will just use it as fuel in this situation. I think it would have been close. I do think it would have been close. I think that the Grizzlies would have benefited down the road. I believe their last two games were against the Philadelphia 76ers and the Houston Rockets. Uh, Those are two teams that probably would have been resting starters. You know, the Sixers, Embiid and Simmons, uh, Harden and Westbrook for the Rockets. I I think Memphis would have still been in the hunt for a playoff spot at that point, and I think it would have helped them to not have to play against those superstars. I think it would have come down to the last couple of games, but I'm with you uh, in terms of I think the Grizzlies would have held on. And I also agree, this is going to be the weirdest, whatever the heck they decide to do. This is going to be the weirdest setup that has ever happened in the NBA playoffs. And I think that it will open itself up to upsets. I'm not even necessarily saying the Grizzlies will knock off the Lakers because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are two of the best five players on the planet. You know, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., those guys are young, hungry players, but they're not to that caliber yet. But I do think you'll see upsets. I do think you'll see teams like Memphis, if it is against the Lakers, if it comes to that, it'll be a closer series than maybe it would have been normally. There's going to be a lot of uh, interesting scenarios playing out as these next few months unfold. Drew, congratulations again on your new position. You're an excellent writer. Uh, your post about uh, the the woman with terminal cancer, uh, Miss Nichols, uh, was one of my favorite pieces I've read so far this year. 
Uh, lots of good stuff coming from Drew, and make sure you're following him if you don't already do so at Drew Hill underscore DM. Thank you, Drew. We'll have you about on down the road. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for Drew Hill, our guest, for Parker Fleming, my co-host, I am Joe Molinax, the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com. We'll be back later on this week with another episode. Until then, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Thank you.